professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Coming up to 708 on CJD, welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller, my co-host from Fuller Landau. How's it going, Josh? Great, Dan. So tonight, uh, I'm very excited because we have uh, someone who was, um, well, whose business was a part of my past anyway, uh, Billy Waxman from Waxman Tuxedos. Welcome, Billy. Uh, good evening. So I actually got my high school grad tux at Waxman's. Very fond memories. There's got to be most people in this town have had to have some formal wear, some men's tuxedo from Waxman's somewhere along the way. They've been in business 84 years, since 1927. And, uh, and a, a, a quite a story it is, certainly with uh, Billy here in the last 30 years. He's been involved pretty much since he was a kid, but certainly starting with his grandfather. So, Billy, welcome to the show. Tell the, the listeners today, what does Waxman formal wear do today? Well, basically, historically, we're recognized as a formal tuxedo shop, but uh, at present time, we're getting more involved with ready-to-wear and made-to-measure tuxedos and, and shirting. Now, that's what it is today, but this business started in 1927, so if you can take, us, take the listeners back a long way and kind of recount a little bit of the story about your grandfather and father before we get to the transition to you. Well, naturally, my, my grandfather is the founder of Waxman's Formal Wear, and both uh, himself and his wife were of Polish descent. My grandfather did his studying in Dresden, Germany, as a ladies' dress designer. And in 1926, my grandmother came to Montreal and sent a ticket for my grandfather. And when he arrived in 1927, he worked for someone else for a couple of weeks and then realized that he wanted to be an owner-operator. And, uh, and that's where it all started. We ended up at 4605 Park Avenue. The house was in the back and the little retail shop in the front. And we're still there today under the same address. And your, your father, was he involved with his father, your grandfather, along the way as well before you came in? My dad did his studies as well in ladies' dress design. But at age 14, I think he had a tendency to hang out on the streets a little too much. So my grandfather started him off in men's formal wear in a little shop right next door. And uh, from age 14, well into his 20s, we were doing both men's wear and ladies' wear. And my grandparents both passed away in 1960, four months apart, and my dad, being an only child, was left to run the business on his own. And my mom had just given birth to my sister and was pregnant with me in 1962. So from that point on, we dropped the ladies and continued only in men's. So you think it was more from a time perspective or really that was just the right focus for the business to take at the time? I mean, there's no question. I, my mom was involved in the business with the ladies' gowns and my dad had a knowledge in that field. But we just think that, uh, you know, back then, my, my dad being the only one involved, it just seemed the right thing to do to just continue in the men's. And, I mean, he, he had this business, and he ran it. He took over from, from your grandfather. At some point, you came into the business. I mean, if your dad started at 14, I can only imagine when you kind of were, uh, were there kind of fitting tuxedos or what, what have you at the store. You know, my dad was always a workaholic. And, uh, again, being an owner-operator, he basically worked, you know, I, I call it a 10-day week. He, he was, you know, he was overworked. But he dragged me into the business at a very early age. 
like from from 12 13 on he was bringing me in on on sundays and at night you know to just do a little extra work so my my instincts you know kind of developed at a very early age and i also came to terms with myself that i didn't like school that much and i, I wasn't really an extraordinary student you know i was an average 70 percent and uh i went all the way up into university and did a, a year in political science and then just realized it wasn't for me so i you know i went to the administration's office it was very easy to sign out and uh went to work the next day so you don't regret your dad bringing you into the business as early as he did you know having a family-run business you know you're part of it from a very early age and i was very fortunate in the sense that the fact that i wasn't a great student and i don't know i just felt instinctively that you know i should be in the business world so having having the business there for me it was just uh, it was just a great opportunity to uh, to work now did you have any choices back then or was really hey you know it's a family business this is where we go on track you know i think any young entrepreneur or any entrepreneur for that matter definitely has a hidden talent you have to try and find out you know what what uh, direction you should take but again you know having a family-run business you know right in front of you um, I went into it and I just I was very comfortable there so there was, it was there was always there was never any question of you uh, straying from that family business not really I mean you know when I was a little bit earlier I worked in in other retail stores retail environments but I just realized that I should you know concentrate more on you know devoting my time and energy uh, with my dad and I guess the way later on and you know Dan when we hear listen to a lot of entrepreneurs and we talk about how they got into it because not all of them started from scratch a lot of them are transitioned from family business in this case Billy's third generation sometimes that individual doesn't always have the choice and they feel that there's that obligation to get in and it doesn't necessarily become their passion because you know hey this is what I have to do this is my you know the name on the door kind of thing um, but I, I think in, in Billy's case as we're going to continue to hear his story he loves what he does and he has passion for what he does and he's he's gotten to really enjoy the environment around it from whenever he started 30 some odd years ago um, to certainly to today and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about that so your parents never uh, I guess um, told you they expected you to, to to take on the business no not at all I mean the fact that my dad you know grabbed me by my ears at a very early <laughs> age and dragged me in you know, um, I, I realized that Look, I enjoyed being by his side, you know, earlier on. Naturally, as years progressed, you know, there's always an issue with going into a family-run business. You know, in my particular case, you know, a father-son operation. I mean, it was a love-hate relationship. But I truly carry the family name proud. And uh, listen, I mean, 84 years, same same location, you know, it's something to boast about. Billy Waxman is our guest on Today's Entrepreneur. More with him in just a moment. It's 7.15 on CJ80. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. This is today's entrepreneur on CJAD, Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, and our guest this evening, Billy Waxman of Waxman Tuxedos. You know, we're talking about Billy's relationship with his father, and he came to the business in his late teens, maybe around 19. Billy, maybe you can talk to us a little bit how it was to work with your dad, the president of the company, to come in, how that 
kind of sharing of roles was in that small family business? Well, look, there's no question I'm extremely grateful to my dad um, for everything he showed me. I mean, you know, there's certain things you could learn from your dad or at least in the workplace that you just don't get in university. It's called street smarts. And uh, my dad taught me a whole lot, you know, a lot about respect and, and treating people as equals and uh, obviously instilling into me like uh, certain skills and and requirements that were needed to you know to run the business or at least be part of it but there's no question I mean it was like I said before it was a love-hate relationship I mean you know fathers always want you to succeed and do better and you know they tend to be hard on the ones they love the most does that mean you didn't get along with them I mean I did everything in my power to uh to maintain proper composure with my old man <laughs> but uh he was definitely a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde I mean, I love him dearly, but he was a special kind of guy. And were there, I mean, I know it was a small family business and there were probably, everybody did a little bit of everything. Was there, did you have clearly defined roles or everybody was just in it? Again, because it was a family run business and, a, you know, a predominantly small business, we all shared in the functions. I mean, when I started, it was my dad and myself and there are two gentlemen that are still with the company uh, one that's been with us for 45 years and the other one for 43 years so you know we all shared in the task tasks and i guess with different generations come different ideas and different thoughts and uh, i would presume that you and your dad weren't always on the same page when it came to running the business were there certain changes that you either wanted to implement or implemented that kind of uh forced his hand or, or definitely forced a change in the business? Yeah, there's a general rule uh, with most human beings, especially in the workplace, that uh, we tend to retaliate change. And I was one that never retaliated change. In fact, I always encouraged change and always changed for the better. But anything that I would bring up to my dad, you know, he would he would never be in accordance with it. And if I felt right about it, I would just do it. And he would... Uh, praise me to the rest of the world and just give me an extremely hard time. But overall, I think he was pleased with, with my changes. Any specific one that stands out uh, over time? Renovations. <laughs> yeah, every time my dad would go out of town, there'd be a renovation taking place and all his friends were aware of it. And uh, it just had to be done when he was out of town because, again, you know, he, he didn't like change. He was happy the way, with the way it was. But uh, whether it was breaking down walls or painting or you know moving the building from one side of the street to the other so to speak you know he didn't want to know from it well he's certainly in the same location for 84 years there must have been some need to upkeep that uh, the old building i guess you learned a little bit along the way with uh, maintenance and repairs and all that you know what I, I i have a tremendous amount of respect for the one famous iona monahan who was the fashion editor of the gazette for many years and when we celebrated 75 years in business she uh, she referred to our store as the Waxman House, and I've carried that name along with us till now. Uh, I really consider it, you know, a home where people can come and be in a very comfortable environment, and that everyone is very well received. And I think that's one of our our secrets of uh, of success is that uh, make people feel at home when they come. I guess it, it, as you want to focus on the customer, is there anything different you do in the store or that you uh, that you I guess the customer feels more comfortable. 
I think, well, the way we receive them, there's no question we're, you know, some people are a little bit intimidated by the presence of the store when they come in. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess our dress code of our staff and, and the way we receive them, we make them feel comfortable when they come in. Uh, they immediately realize that uh, that it, it, it's somewhat of a, uh, a very unorthodox environment, you know, unlike most retail stores, which today have become, in, become more uh, aggressive and, you know, salesmen on the floor are, are, you know, a little bit more aggressive than in the past. Billy Waxman is our guest of Waxman Tuxedos. This is Today's Entrepreneur on CJ80. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.25 on CJAD. Today's entrepreneur, our guest this evening, Billy Waxman of Waxman Tuxedos. You've probably seen the uh, the Waxman house on Park Avenue near Mount Royal. Um, uh, Billy, do, do you need to market yourself after so many years? Do you market? We definitely capitalize on the fact that we've been around for 84 years, and we have a quite a strong name in the marketplace. So uh, our, our name definitely uh, works very, very well for us. Do you find the name in and of itself is work, or and do you rely more on word of mouth versus gimmicky type marketing? Well, there's no question. You know, we never really had the advertising budget. You know, to to be on different forms of media, whether it be radio, newspaper, or television. And I realized, you know, early on in years that I was my best, you know, form of media. You know, I was like a walking billboard. So I I definitely spent a lot of time on the streets, and whether it was interacting with uh, concierges or bell captains or you know, uh, food and beverage uh, banquet coordinators from hotels and all, and being involved in the, in the film industry, you know, just being out on the streets helped a great deal. And uh, look, our, our website is fantastic. That works for us. I mean, we've, you know, obviously been working very hard at it for the last decade or so and always updating. And people are very much impressed with our website. You know, I'm a little bit difficult on myself. I want to bring our website to the next level, but right Right now, it's an extraordinary form of media for us, and uh, it's a great salesman on the road for when the store is closed. So you haven't made the the website interactive yet? Not yet. I mean, I've already created a, a template to, to sell online, but that's a completely different infrastructure, and I, I just don't think the company's ready for that right now. Now, being in business and being around for 84 years, have you ever had to kind of relaunch the name or re-solidify, perhaps, uh, the name Waxman with any type of marketing event? I mean, keep in mind, I've been involved, you know, for 30 years. So I've, I've always, you know, um, had something on my plate, you know, that I, that I, you know, that I used to boost the company name. You know, we, we renovated the store uh, after, you know, 75 years in business. And it definitely helped a great deal. I mean, we, we received highest accolades for that and won, you know, Best Design Award for the City of Montreal. And along with that comes a tremendous amount of media. And, you know, and then in 1998... Um, we we renovated the store, and uh, that helped a great deal, you know, preparing for the 2000 millennium. I seem to recall a really big fashion show where Waxman was was kind of front and center. Yeah, we, you know, I, I I wanted to pay homage to my grandfather, and kind of launch my first line of tuxedos, and also you know celebrate 75 years in business. So. I wasn't really recognized as a designer, so I, I went to Montreal Fashion Week and I, I came up with this concept to bring on the top 16 Quebec designers of Quebec and have them create their interpretation of the tux, always respecting the criteria of the tuxedo. And, you know, that fashion show uh, was uh, broadcasted live on the internet worldwide. 
had a thousand people at the show and uh you know i mean we had kidder cheval steakhouse you know sponsoring the event so it, w- it was an extraordinary experience and it really put us on the map again i mean i'm always looking to um re-solidify the foundation of the waxman house and really at this stage of the game without doing anything too gimmicky it's yourself projecting yourself out there and being out in the marketplace i gotta tell you josh like as far as i'm concerned you know gimmicks don't work today people are getting back to like the basics you know they don't want the big sales pitch you know you got to provide personalized service give the proper quality and uh, just maintain you know an outstanding reputation something that entrepreneurs I know, and we've heard Dan in many, many shows, you got to stick to it. Stick to the quality, stick to the service, stick to what you do best, and the word will get out. More with uh, Billy Waxman of Waxman Tuxedos in a moment. This is Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau on CJAD. It's uh, coming up to 7.30 right now. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.33 on a CJAD. This is today's entrepreneur inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, and our guest this evening from Waxman Tuxedos, Billy Waxman. And uh, Billy, we were talking about fashion a little bit before the news. Uh, have you found it to be a challenge to to continually stay just stay modern and to stay on top of things, or, or do you find that the tuxedo has largely remained um, essentially the same over, over decades? Well, you know, every year there's, you know, there's new colors and styles that are introduced into the industry. You know, I mean, we've seen purple tuxedos and brown tuxedos and olive green tuxedos. I tend to shy away from that. I practice what I preach. I maintain the traditional values of the traditional black tux. I mean, you know, we look at James Bond, you know, spanning over five decades, and I've always seen him with a black tux and a bow tie. And that, that's a conscious decision. That's not something you don't want to go with the fad. You're making that business decision say, hey, we're keeping it simple. This is what's kept us going uh, and in business for so many years. We're not really straying away from that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, traditionally, I think tuxedos should be, you know, basic black. I mean, you always see different designers introducing like tone-on-tone patterns and stripes. But I, again, I just maintain the traditional values of a classic black tux. There's no question over the years, you know, lapels will, you know, get a little bit larger or slimmed down and you know top shoulders and width backs will change but uh, overall you know in fashion today anything goes just just keep it simple and it's going to work again staying true to your product and true to your the, the business model that you have going forward uh, now as we talk about transition we talk about the grandfather and the father uh, you know billy and his family was dealt a blow about seven years ago when his father passed away uh, billy I, I i'd like to hear a little bit on how you dealt with that at the time um, a little bit from a personal sense, but certainly from a business sense, and how you continued. Well, I'll tell you how I deal with death. First of all, I don't think my dad died. He, I think he retired and moved to Florida because <laughs> uh, consciously, I mean, he's with me every day, and you know, I have a picture uh, in my in my kitchen, you know, in my so-called coffee shop, where uh, you know he'll often talk to me, and you know, he'll give me a little bit of trouble too when I'm doing something wrong. So consciously, you know, he he he's around me at all times. Um, the fact that I had to, you know, take the seat of, of, of the president and, and no longer, you know, or work less on the front line and, and deal more with, you know, the back end issues, you know, from an administrative perspective. I mean, you know, that's, that's a big, uh, that's a big change. 
you and I, I mean you were in business with him for many many years i mean probably 20 years or so before he passed away so the business wasn't new to you but yet you still had to take on this role and certainly with the customers and and the environment this was there was no more you know your father it was now they're dealing directly with you i mean you know i got an extraordinary education from my dad you know working by his side you know ever since i'm a teenager so my instincts have been around you know you know for a good 20 30 years uh, once my dad you know retired um i kind of knew what I had to get done and uh there's no question I, i'm doing things a little bit differently now i you know i've restructured the financial platform and uh you know we got obviously got to move with modern times and do things a little different than my dad did i mean it was you know chaos with my dad you know he was that typical businessman with an extremely messy desk but he knew where everything was now you have siblings that you did you have to deal with or that got involved in the business you know the waxman house is predominantly a a man's environment and i i do have a sister who i love dearly but uh she spent some time with us in the store it was, it was just very difficult my dad was you know, somewhat of a very difficult man to work with, at least in the workplace. I mean, you know, outside the story, he was a loving father and very caring. But he was uh, quite abrasive at times and uh, very difficult to uh, to be with. I mean, if anything, I'm grateful because he uh, he strengthened me in many ways. How does your, your managerial style differ from that of your father's? And do you find yourself uh, falling into the same patterns as your dad did? It's interesting you mention that because uh, naturally we, you know, we eventually become like our our folks i try to the best of my ability to recognize the positive and strong qualities that my dad had and 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 tried not to you know carry on his negative qualities or at least in my eyes what you know was negative qualities but i mean i'm extremely grateful to my dad and he's taught me so much about the business and uh he he, he was he was just a great 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 uh leader for me how important i mean viewing him i guess as a mentor how important was it to have any entrepreneur having a mentor uh, kind of talk to you about business or whatever. And and since his passing, have you been able to replace that mentor-type role? I mean, there's no question. I, you know, I, I cope with issues a lot different than my dad. You know, he had a lot more anxiety and more stress than I do. And I tend to be a little bit more footloose and fancy-free with a lot of issues. And uh, I have a different way of, you know, dealing with my my team at work but uh, always maintaining the utmost respect at least for my elderly crew and uh just just treating everybody as equals and you know i don't i don't really run my business from a from a from a boss's perspective i kind of try and consider everybody my colleagues so you really get input i mean it's it's really a a team atmosphere, a family business, you get everybody's input as opposed to a, a dictatorship, so shall I say? Oh, there's no question. My, my dad was more of a control freak, um, where I, on the other hand, I have a very close and dear friend of mine. You know, there were times over the years where I underestimated, you know, my ability to, you know, certain functions in the business. And, and he said that my strength was always that I surround myself with good people. So I always encourage people to, you know, voice their opinion. And if they have something... That's good, and instinctively, I know it's going to work, and I'll implement it into our system. You know, you're ta- we're talking about a business that's been around 84 years, same location. Have you ever thought about expansion to different locations, Billy? No, there was a, a formal wear establishment 
you know, that went bankrupt in the early 90s. And I was offered to, you know, take over the business. And it could have been bought, you know, for for a very decent price. But, I, you know, it was it was too much of a, a big undertaking for me. I really like the, uh, the simplicity of a family-run business. I operate under one location. Um, we never had greed in our family. So, uh, you know, at times I could have opened up in Ottawa or, you know, Laval or South Shore and, and done extremely well. But I also don't want to bastardize the family name. I like the fact that people come to my one location. And, and you know, living in Montreal, we're, we're basically living in a town. So when we want to go to a destination store, you know, the 10 kilometers or 20 kilometers is, is no bother for us. Did you find it difficult over the years as people move out further, and especially Anglos, moving further and further out to the suburbs? Was it difficult to retain your customer base? Again, you know, the, the fact that we're a destination store, people don't need us on a daily basis. You know, it's really just for that, you know, we'll call it that wedding. Uh, it, it's not a big deal for them to travel to us. And, you know, there has been competition along the years. But, you know, people try elsewhere once and then they realize that, you know, we're when it comes to personalized service and the quality and the reputation that we have, you know, they, they just keep coming back. And we have a very loyal and faithful clientele. Do you th- is there a next generation in this business? Your third generation. Well, listen, and you have I, kids. I got two boys at home listening to the station. So <laughs> I have a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. You know, I don't regret what my dad did, you know, by, by you know, dragging me in at a very early age. I'm going to try and do things a little different with my boys. I'd like them to, you know, stay in, in school, you know, as long as they want or feel that, you know, that they could and maybe do some traveling. And I'd rather have the business there for them if they want to fall back on it, if, you know, if they're not able to succeed in, in, in something else. Is there, so you're really, I mean, you weren't, you may have been given a choice going into this, but you certainly want your kids, the next generation, if you're looking at your own business and down the line and maybe passing it along you want them to gain other experience or see what the world is out there uh before they really make the next step and possibly come into that business yeah i mean one of my main objectives right now with the business is you know we're known predominantly as a a formal rental house but you know lately i've been obviously building up my my uh ready to wear and my made to measure department and and my shirt sales we also have the template for uh, a shop online concept so if in fact both my boys do decide to come into the company, I'd like to try and avoid, you know, the the, the sibling rivalry that you, that you have in a family-run business. And what I'd like to try and do is structure a, a work-type environment where there's, you know, different divisions and they can each have their own strength. If 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 one feels that he wants to work more in retail and the other one is more on the back end for, you know, with administrative skills, and to to work on the computer, that's great. And then at the same time, try and split their workload a bit. Have one work like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and the other one work a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and that gives them the opportunity to each have a weekend and alternate every second week. Do they are are they kind of inquisitive at this age about the uh, about the business? Well, listen, I'm living like Coco Chanel, you know. I live upstairs <laughs> in my penthouse, and uh, you know, my office is mid floor, my atelier and retail is ground floor. My my kids are very much involved in the sense that you know when they come home from school every day, you know they're. They're involved in, in the hype of the store. So, you know, they're very much involved. I mean, again, history has a way of repeating itself. I, I'm not as aggressive as my dad was with me at a young age. But, again, instinctively, my kids are around. So they're in the work environment and they see what's going on. And uh, I, I guess, the, you know, transition has been uh, kind of the theme of this show so far, Dan. So uh, 
Billy, as you look back and you look back at the different generations, uh, and I almost know what the answer is going to be before asking, you look back and you say, have, have you, in looking at all the transition and the roles that each father-son played as they went along, do you think it could, be, could have been done any differently or any better? I get, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't regret the way my dad brought me into the business and the education I got from him. You know, I'm extremely grateful, you know, for, for everything he did. And, uh, I mean, there was reason behind his madness, you know, with, with, with the way he brought me up. I mean, ultimately, what he taught me, which will remain with me, and I, and I definitely pass down to my generation, is you got to have the ultimate respect for people around you and actually for your customers and, uh, and gratitude and just treat everyone as equals. It's very important. Billy Waxman of Waxman Tuxedos, our guest on today's Entrepreneur. More in a moment at 745 on CJD. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. on CJD, today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Our guests this evening, Billy Waxman of Waxman Tuxedos, and we welcome back Nick Moretis, tax partner at Fuller Landau. Welcome back, Nick. Evening. Now, every week, Dan, we're talking about entrepreneurs, we're talking about their incorporated business, and I guess with being April 4th and tax season here, there are a number of entrepreneurs that don't incorporate and run their own businesses and report on their personal tax returns and some self-employed people. Uh, and I'm sure there's a body or two in this room that might be that way. Maybe. Uh, so, Nick, perhaps you can guide these types of self-employed people, these types of entrepreneurs, in the, I guess, minefield of deductions. Well, this becomes very important because if you if you are uh, spending money to earn income, you're allowed to deduct it off your income and pay less tax. And if you, if you forget or if you don't keep proper receipts and, and you don't bother claiming this deduction, you're not going to get a call or a letter from your government saying, we believe you missed some deductions and we'll add them on for you and, and give you back some money. So this is something you got to do for yourself and it pays to do it for yourself. Um, and in terms of the, the deductions that you've got, it's not only the, the self-employed um, who have, who have a, a, a bigger amount of deductions that you can claim, but it also goes to uh, um, commissioned employees and even employees as well who have these rights uh, within certain, but very limited. There's a lot of limitations. And it could also be registered businesses that are unincorporated. Absolutely. If you're a Bob uh, a registered and you're a plumber, say, and you don't have to be an incorporated entity, it's the same notion. I'm billing clients. There's my revenue, but I have expenses. I have gas for my truck. I have my truck. I have maintenance for my truck. I got my tools, the, the consumables I use while doing my work. All these things are expenses that we are allowed to turn around and deduct. And if you had to go on a formal event, and you needed to rent a tux from uh, Billy here, and because it was for your business and you, you're representing your business there, that too would be a deductible expense. So that's the stuff that we have to look at. Uh, I'm just going to mention something really quick for employees because uh, this is something I think as well for uh, especially commissioned uh, um, salesmen that uh, they, they can do these deductions. Uh, your employer should be looking to give you a form though. And the form uh, federally, uh, if you like numbers, is a T2200. <laughs> And in Quebec, it's called the TP64.3. And what these forms are, are telling the government is uh, your employer is saying that you, my employee, is supposed to use his car for work or uh, purchase supplies for work or use his home uh, office for work. 
And without that form that basically says, this is what uh, you have to do, Mr. Employee, um, the, you can now claim expenses that are, again, a lot more limited than the entrepreneur, uh, but then go ahead and do that. And what can you claim? And this is now applies for the employee, the commissioned agent, or this, uh, the, um, un, uh, the un, unincorporated entrepreneur. Um, well, of course, you need accountants, so there are fees to charge you to do all this bookkeeping and be able to prepare your tax returns. That is a deductible expense. Uh, you're advertising, you're doing promotion, uh, whether you're a commissioned agent or whether you're a self-employed, that becomes a deductible expense. Your car. Uh, in many instances, and usually the fast, quick rule of thumb is, uh, I have a car. I use it from January to December. I drive 30,000 kilometers a year. And if you can identify that uh, 17,000 of the 30,000 kilometers for the year, I'm using it for work. I'm going to see clients. Uh, I'm, I'm, go I'm walking, I'm driving around to see my suppliers, etc. Well, then 17,000 over 30,000, uh, I guess, proportionally, of all the expenses related to the car is a deduction for work. Now, then there's the abuse, right? I mean, you have people that sometimes push the limit a little bit. So do you suggest that people, you know, really be reasonable and do what's actual? They shouldn't maybe rent tuxedos to go to work every day for 200 days. They, they should maybe steer away from renting the Ferrari uh, wow. for the year. I mean, are there cases of abuse that, uh, that the government kind of cracks down uh, on? Absolutely. The, actually, in the law, um, to be able to deduct anything, an expense has to be reasonable in the circumstances. So if, uh, if I do decide to uh, rent a tux and that's going to be my uh, uniform every day, uh, is it reasonable for me to be like that? And, and the answer may be not, although Billy... Well, it's reasonable some, for me, yeah, of course. Of course, it's excellent <laughs> for you. Uh, um, but that, that is the case. If I have a, a car with 30,000 kilometers uh, and I'm, I'm going to deduct 28,000 of the 30,000 for work, uh, but my, my, I live in, in Terban and my office is in Ville Saint-Laurent, well, that doesn't make sense either because I got to get to work somehow, and especially for employees because uh, driving to, uh, to work is not a deduction. Can I deduct my coffee? Because if I don't have caffeine inside of me for Del Mar at night, I'm really not entertaining at all. Uh, you, you can, yes. But, yes, but, uh, but otherwise he is entertaining? Yes, absolutely. Yes, he is. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Today's Entrepreneur on CJ80. 7.56 on CJD, today's entrepreneur, our guests, Billy Waxman of Waxman Tuxedos and Nick Moretis, tax partner at Fuller Landau, and we're talking about deductions. Um, I want to ask a question to Nick, just as someone who's self-employed. Uh, the issue often comes up about home space. Can you deduct part of your living expenses? How much can you deduct? And, uh, and also, can you go after stuff like, you know, cable, internet, uh, telephone? Okay. Um, who am I billing? No. Uh, the uh, home expense, uh, home office expenses are, are actually under, under the microscope because the government, governments are looking at that. Um, and what we're, one thing we are finding um, is, and this is a lot of it is anecdotal, is that those who have a place to work, like such as you here, and are using your home uh, sort of as a, as, a second, as a second office, et cetera, may have some difficulty doing the write-off. Um, we've seen it, um, example, with uh, some professionals, doctors, etc., who have available offices in the hospital and also use uh, for research and additional work at home that um, uh, they're basically being denied that deduction. For, for most self-employed where there isn't an office that they generally go to, then yes, you do. And you're basically looking to say, what, you know, how much of my space in my home am I using over my total space uh, available in my home? So if I've got one room 10 by 10 
and my and my home is uh, 1,500 square feet, and this is 100. Well, that percentage of the expenses of the house, I'm allowed to deduct as as my cost of of uh, maintaining that office. So basically, what you're saying is. Be reasonable. be reasonable. Don't be greedy Always. and let it be justified. That's right. Thanks very much, Nick. Thank as, you. as we approach uh, the end of the show, got to ask Billy, Billy, what one piece or one, one, two pieces of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur? You know, Josh, you asked me earlier, you know, what are we doing different in business today, you know, to, to get our fair market share? And I, I got to say, like, uh, easily over the last, you know, three to four decades, if there's one thing we've always maintained is is give the personalized service and quality, and um, I think today in in retail, everyone's looking you know for a shortcut, and um, you know not not providing the personalized service and trying to make the fast buck, and the more other retailers um, don't provide the personalized service and the quality, it just makes us shine even more. So if I had any one piece of advice for any young entrepreneur, you know, be true to yourself and really personalized service and quality, whether you're providing a commodity or a service, it's, it's very important. Thank you, Billy. Uh, certainly, as you transition through three generations, possibly to the next one, staying true to yourself is hugely important. Thank you, Josh Miller of Fuller Landau and Nick Moretis as well, and Billy Waxman of Waxman Tuxedos. Today's Entrepreneur returns next week, next Monday night at 7 p.m. You can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit their website, www.flmontreal.com. Delmar at Night is next on CJD.